take a moment this morning to give honor to Pastor Alex and Pastor Naomi in their absence. And I thank them for the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit and share the word of God with you. It's such an incredible man and woman of God that we have here. And we are so, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for their leadership and what God is doing in and through their lives and glad to be a part of the work here at Oceans. So I hope that you guys brought a journal and a pen and a pencil because I'm going to be sharing a whole lot of scriptures with you this morning. But I pray that the word of God would, would speak to you. So with that being said, if I want to get out of here before 2 o'clock, I better go ahead and get going. The word of God is, I was sharing that sharing with the 9 a.m. service, the Word of God is, is so powerful. You could pick up a, a good book, snuggle up, and you can read it page after page after page, and it's captivating. You know, you're engaged, and you can't, you can't, put, it, you can't put it down. And when it comes to the Word of God, man, nothing, nothing compares to it. And especially when you read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit. And he causes it to come alive, and he speaks, and he shows you things in it. And I pray that he does that with us this morning. Genesis chapter 24, 1 through 10. The title of the message today, as you can see behind me, is The Search of a Bride, or for a Bride. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please, Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. You shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. When you read through the word of God, and especially when you're reading through the New Testament, what you'll, what you'll discover is you'll, you'll find people, you'll find places, events, even objects and stories and things that can carry with it a, a, a type, uh, a, a shadow, some type of prophetic symbolism or imagery, principles that you can take. And the beauty of it is that they find their fulfillment in Christ or in his kingdom. And so like when you read the Old Testament, and especially when you read it in the light of what the New Testament says, these stories come alive and you begin to see the main theme of the Bible. God inspired the writers to write this book. And whether you realize it or not, Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about our mediator 
and it's beautiful. So let me give you an example. So you're reading through the Old Testament, and you come across an individual like Moses. And you read this incredible story on the life of Moses and all that he accomplished. You know that he was the instrument that God used to bring, bring up Israel out of Egypt, out of the land of, of bondage. He was also the mediator between God and, and the people. And when you look at Moses' life, you can see that Moses is a type or a shadow of Christ. And that Christ led us from the bondage of sin and slavery. And that he is also the mediator between God and man. We know that he is the man Christ Jesus. You can look at an individual like Samson, and you can see in Samson's life that he destroyed more of God's enemies through his death than he did through his life. And then you look and you can see how he typified Jesus Christ in that Jesus dying on the cross, he disarmed principalities and powers and made a show of them openly as he triumphed over them in his cross. You can look at people, like, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Joseph, who was treated unjustly, he was falsely accused, he was thrown into prison. But God exalted Joseph and put him second in command. He was exalted to a high position. You can see that he is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ and that Jesus was falsely accused. He was arrested and he was put on a cross and died. But how many know that God highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You can look to certain objects in, in the Old Testament and you can see the imagery or the prophetic symbolism of Christ, the brazen serpent. Israel was in the wilderness and they were getting bit by serpents. And so God told them, they will take a, a pole and put a bronze serpent up on it and, and have it erected. And so when the people get bit by the serpent, if they would look at the pole with the serpent on there, they will be healed. It typified there Jesus Christ on the cross and that those that would look to him and put their faith in him, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. We look to the tabernacle, we can look to the altar of incense, and we can see how that object typified Christ because how many know that he is our advocate with the Father goes on. We look at Noah's ark. We know that God was going to send a flood, a form of judgment upon the earth. And he told Noah and his family to go into the ark and they would be safe. Noah's ark typifies Christ because we know that if you were in Christ, you are, come on somebody, saved. Are y'all with me here this morning? We can look at stories and events. We can look at the man Jonah. That old Jonah who got hit, found himself in the, 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 the belly of a fish for three days and three nights and how he typified Christ being in the heart of the earth three, three days and three nights after he was crucified. Defeating Israel with manna in the wilderness when God sent manna to feed them typified Christ as the true bread of heaven that came down from heaven and gives life to the world, and the list goes on and on and on. I could be here all day, but if I do that, we'll never get into our, our message here today. It's so beautiful when, the, when you're on this journey with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God comes alive because what it does, it's like this wonderful treasure map 
and it takes you on this journey. Oh, hallelujah. It's a, it's, it takes you on this journey to discover the unfathomable riches of Christ. It takes you on this journey to discover Christ in a deeper way. And what you do is you fall in love with him. You have this greater and deeper appreciation of who he is, and you can't help but like melt before him. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing when you look to the Old Testament and you see these symbols and you look over into the New Testament and you see it come to, come to life. And that's exactly what is taking place here in this story in Genesis 24. So we're going to break it down and we're going to kind of go verse by verse. And I pray that it really minister to you and that God would speak to you in this. So verses 1 through 4 says this. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord blessed him. Blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son. Here is this picture of Abraham the father. And it says that he's old, he's advanced in years and it, it typifies our father in heaven. How many know that the days are short? How many know that the days are coming to an end? We know that the Father knows that. Look at Mark 13, 32. It says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. God, our Father in heaven, knows how many days are left before that great day comes. And while he is Advance, while the, the times are passing by very, very quickly, you can see the heart of the father in the story. And the desire in the heart of the father is that his son would come to have a bride. And this is the beauty, beautiful thing about it is because he, he wants his son to have a bride. And here we are this morning. And every one of you that has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have now become, you've cut covenant with him and become the bride of Christ. But the beauty about it is that he's, all of us are the bride of Christ and, and more and more are coming in and becoming the bride of Christ. In other words, there's room, there's always room for more. Can somebody say Amen. It's not full yet. God, we know that it is God's desire to get a bride for his son and to have others join in covenant with him. Look what it says in 2 Peter 3 and 9. It says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. It is the heart of God for every single person to have the opportunity to come and experience what a life is in covenant with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Every single person, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't, it doesn't matter your age, your social status, none of that matters, your, your past, what you've done right, what you've done wrong. It's available to everybody, and this is the heart of God. It's the heart of God for the richest person in the world. It's the heart of God for the person that is an addict that is living among the bushes. For every single person, the ring is available. So then he goes, and he, he, the father, he, he has this desire to get his son Isaac a bride so he he makes his choice as to who he's going to give this assignment to and so he goes to his oldest servant the one who had a rule over all of his household and he uses him and I'm reminded of the story about Saul 
you know, how, how Saul and, and the whole story with Ananias and how after Saul had his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, you know, God tells Ananias to go, go to Saul and Ananias is freaking out because this man's been persecuting the church and everything else. But God said something to him, to him about Saul. And he said that this man, Saul, is my chosen vessel to bear my name before kings and to take the gospel to the Gentiles. God has hand-selected, he has placed his hand and his mark upon people's lives, all of us, to be able to go out and to do and accomplish a great work for him. Amen? Mark 16, 15 through 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many creatures? Every single one. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You are his chosen vessel. You are his chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are, whether you realize it or not, a peculiar people. And God wants to use you to go searching his, for his bride. So he, he chooses his servant, and then he gives, this is the awesome thing about it, is he gives very clear instructions to his servant. I want you to go out and get a bride, but you can't just go get anybody. You must not take for a wife, for my son, a woman that is among the Canaanites. And so he basically gives him instructions as to what woman would qualify to become a bride for his son Isaac. And I love this because John, when we look in the light of the New Testament, John chapter 3 verses 5 through 7 says this, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. To be truly become the bride of Christ, you must be born again. He is spirit, and we too must be spirit. Revelation 19, 7 and 8, he said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This is, this, is the, this is the beauty because in, in order to wear that wedding garment, in order to, in order to wear that, that white dress and to be married to the Lamb of God, you've got to have the righteousness. You've got to bear his character. You've got to be white and holy and pure just like him. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. These are the requirements. You must be born again. You must join yourself to Christ. You must receive him by faith. And therefore, the blood of Jesus washes you clean. And now you're acceptable to him. For he is looking for a bride that is without spot or without blemish. He's looking for a pure and a holy bride. Can somebody say amen? I know y'all ain't sleeping in here this morning. Verse number five, it says, And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? So the servant now, he, he comes with the what ifs. And that's just like us. God sends us on a, on a quest. He sends us on a mission to go and, and to do a great work for him. But then we, well, what if, God? What if I go and they don't receive me? Or what if I go to tell them the message and they've got questions that I don't have answers for? And what if this and what if that? 
You see, God never calls you to a work that he won't equip you for that work. I remember early in my walk, I was. I was very nervous to evangelize anybody because I was always afraid they were going to ask me something I didn't have an answer to. But as I mature, I've learned to lean on the Holy Spirit and also to learn and say, I don't, I'm not exactly sure, but I'll get back to you. Genesis 24 and 8, he said, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. Matthew 10, 14 and 15, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. John 3.18 says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. All you got to do is just do your work. It's, you're not responsible to make sure that somebody accepts Jesus Christ because God gave people volition. He gave them the ability to choose. All you've got to do is carry the message. All you got to do is offer the ring. All you got to do is... Give them an opportunity to respond, but if their response is no and they choose to reject them, then that's on them. You are released from that oath. God, I, 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 I reflected you, God. I demonstrated your love and your kingdom to them, God, and I, I extended the offer, but they don't want it. Well, that's, that's on them. You are released. You can continue to pray for them, but you just you keep on and you keep on. Verse number 10 says this, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hands, and he rose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. We see a picture here of how, how Abraham has equipped his servant to go out and to find the bride for Isaac. Acts chapter 1, verses 8, you guys know this, that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and shall be witnesses unto me. You see, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that called the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. That same spirit is on the inside of you. And then it goes on in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says, But all things, now all things were of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, what? The word of reconciliation. Not only do you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you and the Spirit of God on top of you, you've got the Spirit of God consuming your life to be able to do the very works that Jesus did, but you've also got the Word on the inside of you, the Word of power, the gospel of change, the gospel of the kingdom on the inside of you, and i got to tell you this, that if you choose to be led by the Spirit of God and, be, and are willing to declare truth. You will have all of heaven back you in your assignment to find a bride for his son. Oftentimes we allow circumstances or the things that are in front of us to, to cause us to be fearful. Almost to the point of paralysis where we don't go anywhere. We can't see with spiritual eyes. But I want to remind you of what the prophet Elisha he had a servant, Gehazi, and the man couldn't see, and he was fearful. And the prophet Elisha prayed to God and asked God to open his eyes so that he could see that there were more for them than there were against them. And his eyes were open, he began to see the heavenly hosts around them. 
If you've got spiritual eyes, you will see that when you go out, he sends you as sheep in the midst of wolves. But no need to worry because you've got the lion of the tribe of Judah on the inside of you. You got the captain of the host of the Lord with you. You got the armies of, of heaven at your disposal and they are backing you in your kingdom work. You are well equipped to carry out the mission. Where am I at? Verse 11. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women would go out to, to get water. Share this with the 9 service. You got to be careful when you go to the well. You read in the Old Testament, you find out people went to the well and they got married. <laughs> they did. Isaac and Rebecca, and Jacob and his wife, Moses and Zipporah. And then you go over to the New Testament, then we all know the story of Jesus and the, the, the Samaritan and what happened there. You got you to be careful when you go, go to the well. But see, the picture is this. The servant has sweared an oath. He's going to go out and he's going to do what his master has, has commissioned him to do. And so he sets out with all of what the master has given to him to carry out the mission. And so he knows that if I got to go find a bride, I got to be around some women. Okay. Man to woman, woman to man. Okay? We're talking the Bible here. We're talking truth. So I got to find a bride. So he goes where women were. So oftentimes the households back there in that culture is the women would go and they would get the water from the well for the, the household. Okay? And they would often go in the evening and they would go in groups. So you can see that the, the, you know, he's, he's, he's doing the right thing. And so then he goes there and he encounters the woman. Mark 2, 15 through 17 says this. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If we are going to find a bride for Christ, then we got to be around some people that aren't in covenant with Christ. You want to deliver somebody, you got to be around somebody that needs to be delivered. You want to heal somebody, you got to be around some people that need to be healed. You want to set some people free, you got to be around some people that are bound and they are a hot mess. So he goes to the well. Verse 17, it says, And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water for your pitcher. You see how he's intentional. He goes and he sees the women now, but now he makes every effort to be able to spark up a conversation. You can't win a soul by keeping your mouth shut. You got to be able to tell them the truth. You got to be able to share your testimony. You got to be able to build some kind of a conversation starting with them so that you can bring in Christ. You see, we remember I always told you guys there's nothing wrong with a copycat as long as you copy the right cat. And so then you look at Jesus with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and then what do you see there? You see him sparking up a conversation with the woman, and they're talking about natural water. And this is the beauty of it. He sparks up a conversation, and then he switches it to spiritual things. And it was such an encounter that the woman went and told all kinds of people about Jesus. You got to be intentional. 
Verse 32 and 33 says this, Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you about my errand. And he said, speak on. This is a beautiful picture here because he's been on this journey to find the bride. So obviously he's tired, he's, he's weary. You know, his feet are probably dirty, but could use a good washing, you know. He's, he's hungry, so the food is looking pretty appetizing. But you can see the priority of the man of God. And the priority was what? All of this is good and this is great and I'm probably going to let you do all of those things. But first, I got to tell you why I'm here. This becomes my priority. I got to tell you that my master is looking for a bride. And he told me that I was looking for somebody specific and he sent me. The angel of the Lord went before me and he sent me here. And that's the way that we got to be. We've got to have a kingdom mindset. And before anything else, we've got to be able to see with spiritual eyes, hear and listen with spiritual ears, and to be able to see every valuable, every life as valuable to God and look for every opportunity to witness to them, to love them, to pray for them and bring them into the kingdom so that they can be dressed in their wedding apparel. But church, it gets better. 54 to 61, it says, And he and the men who were with him, they ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning, and the servant, he says, well, send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that, she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man and she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. And may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. This is a beautiful picture about a servant who knows what he's got to do, and he moves with haste. He gets a hold and he tells the, 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 the father, why, why he's there? What is my errand? Why, why did I come here? And, and, and so now they're trying to delay the situation. And they ask her and she says, I will go. And he's, I got to go. Do not delay me. Do not hinder me. And this is the way we've got to be in the kingdom of God because we know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There is a spiritual force that is at work, especially right now in our world, trying to destroy the lives of men and women. But God has commissioned us to go out. He said, for this reason, the son of God was made manifest that he would destroy the works of the devil. What God has put in us, what God is commissioning us to do is to go and release the captive to bring them to the place of freedom. And you better know that when you go and witness to somebody, you better believe that there's going to be a dark cloud coming their way too. But we've got to move with haste, and we've got to bring them. And so what happened is he, they moved with haste, and, and so now the servant and, and all of his people and Rebecca and her nurse and their maidens and stuff, now they're headed, and where are they head? They're headed to go see Isaac. we got to get the people to Jesus, and we got to get them to Jesus quick because time is running out. Amen? It gets better. I love this. I love this story. 
says, Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And so what we see here is now Rebekah is being adorned with all of this beautiful stuff. And she's got bracelets and jewelry and gold and silver and everything else. And Ephesians 1 and 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You see, every time we win a soul, we, what we're doing is we are arraying them with the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. The goodness of God in Christ looks good on all of y'all. But it also looks good on the one that's out there outside of covenant with God. And so I don't know about you, but I want to I wanna put some bracelets on them. I want to I wanna put some jewelry on them. I want to place the unfathomable riches and the goodness of God on them. I want them to experience the things that I'm experiencing. And I want them to see and know what it is and experience how to walk with God. How to be free from the things that held you bound from so many years. How to live with purpose and, and, and have a purposeful, excuse me, a purposeful life. How to love people. How to fulfill destiny. And not just wake up every day and like, oh, well, what's going to happen today? And having no purpose in life. You see, when you're in covenant with God, you've got a purpose. She gets adorned. It's really powerful because the Apostle Paul, such an incredible man of God, one who had a radical encounter with God. And when you have, when you have those, you guys know because you're in church on Sunday. There's a lot of people that aren't in church on Sunday. I'm just going to leave that one alone. When you've had a true encounter with God, you just want to be with him all the time. He's just, he's, there's something that's happened. There's something that's changed within you. The Apostle Paul was one that was like that. And he knew and understood what we're talking about here. Because when he wrote his letter to the Corinthian church, this is what he said. He said, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband. Then I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He understood that when he went out, when God was calling him to the Gentiles and to the nations of the world, God was calling him to search for a bride for his son, Jesus Christ. He knew that, and he ran his race well. He knew who he had with him. He was focused, and while he had much opposition, he learned to lean on Christ in every single moment. Even when he was in prison, he had the nerve to say the words that I know this too is going to work out for my good through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Christ. Even while he was incarcerated and facing death for his faith in Christ, he knew the power of prayer. He knew who he had on the inside of him, and he leaned on those very things to get him through and to carry out everything that God had purposed for his life. And so it is with us. Amen? Amen? So this morning, as we, as we close, John 4 and 35, and I kind of touched a little bit on this. Jesus says to the disciples, well, before we even go there, back up a little bit. So Jesus goes to the well 
tired from his journey, and he sits down at the well, and here comes a Samaritan woman. Now, what's interesting with it is, you know, culture shows that women wouldn't, people wouldn't go out to the well during, during the day like that. So most likely, this woman just didn't want to be seen, didn't want to be bothered, she wanted to be by herself. But she happened to stumble across Jesus. Jesus was intentional in that he sparked up a conversation with her and began to talk with her. And being so full of the Spirit of God, began to now tell her things that nobody else knew. And so now the supernatural is manifesting, and this woman can't help it because nobody knows that I've had all of these husbands and these things that have happened in my life. This must be somebody special. And Jesus revealed himself to her and tells her that he's the Messiah. And when you get a revelation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior of the world, you can't help but drop your water pot and take off. You, there's no need for stagnant water anymore. You found the living water. You found the well that it's not just deep, it's never ending. And it springs up. When you find Jesus, you can't help but go back and, and to tell people. And these poor disciples, they, they, you know, their eyes still hadn't been opened yet. And so Jesus is teaching them a lesson here. And he, they, they come back and they, they're, try, they're worried about him, you know, having food. And that's where he tells them, well, I have food that you know not of. My, my, my meat is to do the will of my father and to accomplish, you know, the work that he sent me to do. And he tells them, he says, you, do you not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? And this was in the midst of crops growing in the area where they're at. And so they're literally looking, you know, at the fields and, and seeing that it's, it's not yet, but it's coming, it's coming. Another four months or so, we'll be able to reap that harvest. And he used that as like a modern day parable to be able to teach them a spiritual truth. And the truth was this. The harvest is already, it's already white. The people are ready. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till next month. You don't have to wait till you go to seminary. You don't have to wait for this and for, the, and for that. All you got to do, lift up your eyes and look on the field. The field is the world, and people are dying. People are hungry. They are thirsting for, to find out what life is all about. Listen, our world has gone, gone, I'd say to plaid, but you guys probably wouldn't know where that came from. But, but the world has gone mad. It's, it's gone crazy. And people are realizing that, that something, there's got to be something more to this life. And now is an opportunity for the, for the church of the living God to voice and to carry that message loudly in the face of whatever opposition rises up and give people an opportunity to take that ring on their finger and to come in, come in covenant with Jesus Christ. So this morning, there's two types of people here. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you this, that the reason that you're here this morning is because God sent his servant to go get you because he wants to invite you to come and be his son's bride. I'm here this morning to tell you that God sent you here because he loves you. And you see, there's something beautiful about marriage because marriage, when you marry somebody, it's you are sharing your life with them. And so to come into covenant with Jesus Christ is to share his life. He doesn't want your life, your life with sin and bondage and everything else. He wants you to share his life. 
there was a divine exchange that took place on that cross, and he wants you to come and, and bring all of your stuff. Bring it to him so that he can make you new. And then you walk with him. And the awesome thing about this marriage is that he is forever faithful. He is a faithful father and will never do you wrong. He is one that cares for his own like no other. And so if you were here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your opportunity. And so after the service, we're going to be here and we would love to talk with you to answer any questions that you have. Please don't leave out of here without Jesus. But if you do, that's on you. That's your decision. But I can tell you this, you can search the world high and low and you'll never find another like him. Amen. The other person that is here is those that are in covenant with Jesus Christ. They, right now, you are currently the bride of Christ and on your way to glory. But just like this story here where Abraham sent out his servant, so God is sending us out looking for his bride. Because there is a woman, there is a man, there is a child that keeps going back to that well every day, day after day after day after day. And they're going back to those places and those things and those behaviors because it does not satisfy. God is sending us to those people so that we can give them the living water, so that we can give them a life of substance. And so if you're here this morning and you're in covenant with Christ, I want to tell you, go get a bride for him. I say that with all sincerity, go get a bride for him. The beautiful thing about it is he, he, what Abraham said to his servant, he says that the angel of the Lord goes ahead of you. See, God has already prepared hearts in your life. There are people that you're going to cross paths that God has already been dealing with them. He's going to cause you to go and reap where others have sown. And both the sower and the reaper are going to rejoice in heaven because of the bride that got married to Christ. So I want to encourage you to go out and to get a bride for your king. Don't be fearful. When opposition rises up, remember who's on the inside of you and to know that all of heaven is backing you in your kingdom work. Amen? Every one of you are special to God. I'm special to God. I believe I'm God's favorite. My wife would challenge me on that, but... We are truly special to God. And I want you to just to think just for a moment, and then we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to close out this morning, but think about what you experience in your relationship with God. Think about how when you fall short and you sin and you mess up and, and how you're reminded of the, the power of the blood and how it washes you and makes you clean and free. Remember how... His presence comes in and fills the room when you turn on some music and you begin to sing and you begin to minister to him and you begin to talk with him and all of a sudden he comes in and he just invades the atmosphere like only he can and, and you just feel the loving arms of heaven embrace you and hold you. Remember when God's power is displayed in your life and has broken, broken you free from bondages and hangups and shortcomings. Remember the goodness of God in your life and remember and look out on somebody that doesn't have it. Because I believe if you do that, you will be moved with the same compassion that Jesus had. 
It said that Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw the people as sheep having no shepherd. And I love it because that word compassion, not only does it have with it the meaning of being aware of somebody's situation, but it's accompanied with the desire to fix it. That's true biblical compassion. It's seeing somebody that doesn't have what you have and being moved to go and fix that situation. And that's what we're going to do. Amen? Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? You said, Father, that the world, the whole world is, lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know, Father, that there are so many people right now that are bound up in sin, Father, and disconnected and outside of covenant with you. And you said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon us, that you have anointed us to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are being held captive. It is a mandate, it is a commission, it is an imperative verb, Father, in the original language that speaks of the strictest command, Father, for us to go out and to do these things. And so this morning, Father, we say, thy will be done in our lives, Father. We ask in Jesus' name that you would lead us to those that are broken, those that are bound, those that are in need of you. And I come against the spirit of fear. Pastor William talked last night about Goliath and, and how that spirit would immobilize the army of God and they couldn't, they couldn't move, they couldn't advance. And we come against that spirit this morning in Jesus' name and we bind it and break its power. And we move in the spirit of the Lord and in the power of your might. You said if you be lifted up, you would draw all men to you. And we know that there's a great drawing that is taking place. And you said, who will go and who shall I send? We declare, here we are, Lord. Send us. And we pray for even more laborers. You said that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we pray for even more laborers to come in and to help with this work. I pray that each person that is here this morning that has a desire to touch somebody's life, give them a person. Give them a Rebecca. Give them a Samaritan woman. Give them an addict. Give them a single mother. Give them a business owner. Put somebody in their life and use them. Word their mouth and let the flame of heaven burn and touch that person's life. For we are committed to you and we are committed to your work. Be glorified in all that we do. I pray special blessing upon those that are here. And as we depart from this place this morning, Holy Spirit, lead us. May we be sensitive to the promptings that you place upon our heart and obedient to where you want to do, whatever you want to do and wherever you want to send us. We thank you. We glorify you in no other name, but it's in Christ's name that we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you guys.